0: This is episode number 152 with New York Times bestselling author, John Acuff. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome, everyone, to the podcast today. My name is Lewis Howes. If this is your first time joining me today on the podcast, thank you so much, and please subscribe and keep coming back because there's going to be lots of great stuff in the future, and there's 151 incredible episodes for you to go through right now. Now, today's interview is with a good friend of mine. His name is Mr. John Acuff, and he was actually on the podcast back at episode number 23. So we're going to have that linked up here on the the show notes at episode number 152. So lewishouse.com/152 will get you all the tips and links from this episode and that link to that episode. Now John Acuff for those that do not know, he is a New York Times bestselling author of the book called Start and he's got a new book coming out called Do Over. And it's how to rescue Monday, reinvent your work and never Get stuck. And he talks about these four transitions in our career that all of us will face. You'll hit a career ceiling, which means you'll get stuck, requiring sharp skills to free yourself. You'll experience a career bump and unexpectedly lose your job, requiring strong relationships to survive. You will make a career jump into a new role requiring solid character to push through uncertainty and chaos, and you will get a surprise career opportunity, which requires dedicated hustle to take advantage of it. Now, this is a fun interview. I think you're really going to get a lot out of this. And- you know, there's lots of things that are a do-over that that John talks about. Graduating from college is a do-over. So if you're in that space, then this is perfect for you. If you're moving to a new city to chase a dream of yours, then that's a do-over. If you just lost your job or you're in transition to another job, that's a do-over. And getting an awesome opportunity you never expected before is a do-over. So if you're in any one of those situations currently in your life, uh, or if you think you're ever going to be in one of those situations, then make sure to listen and take notes because John is going to give you some great tips in here on how to take advantage of any one of those situations in your life ever. I'm super pumped for this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it and stick around to the uh, very end where I'll give you guys some more tips. Let's go ahead and dive in with the one and only John Acuff. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. Flavors, French vanilla, sweet and creamy, and caramel macchiato, so you can switch things up depending on your mood. Look for your favorite flavor next time you're at your grocery store, and be prepared to say goodbye to your barista. International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. It's foaming delicious. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. I've got my man, John Acuff on. What's up, John?
1: It is so great to be back on this uh, podcast. It feels like every day on Instagram, I see you posting a different like multiple of 100,000 that it's grown. So I'm excited.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. We had you on before, uh, I guess it was like a year, a year and a half ago for your other book, which was awesome and was a New York Times bestseller. I'll have the link to the show notes here later of where people can listen to the first interview, but definitely check that one on as well. People love that. Uh, But you got a new book out. It's called Do Over, Rescue Monday, Reinvent Your Work, and Never Get Stuck. Now, why did you decide to write this and dive into this new book?
1: Well, I wrote it because we're in the midst of an insane amount of change um, in our culture. And a lot of that's hitting the career space. So you look at industries, um, whole industries are changing. You know, 20 years ago, hotels competed against other hotels. The Marriott competed against the Hilton now hotels compete with anyone that has a relatively clean room via things like airbnb mm-hmm. um you know i talked to graphic designers who'll say i remember where you could take a graphic design class for online as an elective or something fun to do in college if you wanted to but you didn't have to and then one day they woke up and if they didn't know how to design for online they were a dinosaur mm-hmm. and so we're in the midst of all this change i mean like i think about my own kids they my daughter said, Dad, the, the internet was down at school today. We had to do everything old-fashioned. <laughs> I was like, what does that mean? What she does said, that yeah. Mean? yeah, she said we had to walk we, – we needed to draw a picture of the uh, Tennessee state flag and we had to walk to the library to look it up in a book. Wow. And so there's this huge change happening and there's a lot of people figuring out their do-over moment career-wise where – For instance, boomers aren't retiring like they used to. They can't because of the recession. And so they're not leaving jobs, which means Gen X bumps into them. There's no space for them to jump into, which means millennials jump into the Gen X. And it becomes this logjam of career. And so it's this really exciting time if you look at the do-over the right way. And so I experienced the do-over in my own life, a big career transition, and started to look at other people and say, okay, why do some people have amazing do-over moments? What's in common and how do I figure that out for my own life? And how do I help other people with it?
0: Mm. Yeah. And one of the things you talk about early on is a career savings account. Can you speak about that?
1: Yeah. The, the basic premise behind that is um, relationships plus skills plus character times hustle equals a career savings account. and the The challenge, Lewis, is that we spend eighteen years of our life getting ready for college. Like culturally, we understand that. It's this big slingshot moment that we pull back. and we graduate and then go to work, and the next thing we get ready for is death and retirement. We have this forty year gap where we don't invest in our careers, and we're we're taught to build job, We're taught to work jobs, not build careers. And so my big thing there is that there's really only four types of career transition you go through. You hit a career ceiling. Which is when you get stuck. You climb to the top of a ladder at a company. As an industry, you get stuck. You know, the New York Times asked, why didn't Kodak create Instagram? Mm. It's because when businesses have success, they change from um, innovation to protection. They start to protect the old way and they get stuck. And so you go through a career ceiling, a career bump when you lose your job, you get laid off. You have a career jump where you try something new and you're brave. And then you have a career opportunity where something outside of your control happens. And you get a chance to kind of grow it and impact it, but you didn't force it. And so the Career Savings Account is designed to help you navigate those four moments. And what's fun is that we all have those things. We've just never combined them. Nobody's going to read my book and be like, wait a second, character. I need to have skills. But they they all work together. Most of us have just never combined them and amplified them. For example, relationships get you the first gig. A lot of times in life, who you know still matters a friend will will vouch for you before you're ready they'll take a shot on you yeah. but skills get you the second gig because if you suck at cutting people's hair i don't care if you're my best friend i'm gonna say like <laughs> i love to hang out with lewis it's not <laughs> getting near my head like yeah, exactly. he's not doing my taxes like i don't need to go to jail because he's my best friend he's gonna you know file wrong yeah so they're all related. And so the book is about how do you do some very simple things to amplify your career savings account, blow it up till it's worth billions and spend it on the type of career you want. Let's talk
0: about relationships first. I mean, for me as an entrepreneur and and for you as well, uh, relationships and specifically we were talking before this about, you know, just launching your book. It's all about the relationships that you've developed over years and years of the marathon, not trying to, connect with someone really quickly and say, hey, hook me up, but it's really building that equity over time that allows you to get those opportunities, whether it be a career or something like that. So let's talk about the power of relationships.
1: Well, yeah, a big part of that is, like you said, being patient with it. Um, I always try to encourage people that every great relationship started casually. Like, Mm -hmm. so we live in the golden age of casual relationships where you can connect with people online in ways you've never connected with them before. I mean, I connected with Jim Gaffigan on Twitter and he, you know, over the last year or so, got to connect with him on Twitter. He endorsed Do-Over. Like, he doesn't endorse career books. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a hilarious comedian, but that was a byproduct of relationship and, and him being kind. And so it's – you see this all the time where we want to fast-forward relationships, and that's not how they work. Not the good ones anyway. You know, when somebody – who you don't know out of nowhere goes, "Hey, Lewis, you've got a great huge platform. I'd love to use it. We tell everybody to tweet this you know, <laughs> right. Which this hap- thing?
0: which happens every week, by the oh, way.
1: Oh yeah, constantly. And then and then you but you want to go like, I don't know you. I don't know if this is real. I love my audience and try to try to protect them and and give them great things and I don't know if this is a great thing. And so, you know, and they're trying to fast forward the relationship where it's completely different if a mutual friend of ours named Rory Vaden Mm-hmm. Yeah, emails you and goes, Hey, I've got this new book coming out. I'm really proud of it. Um, I think it fits with your audience. Would you mind taking a look at it? And if it's something that does, would you mind sharing it with your audience? You go, Of course. Like we've known yeah. each other, you know, it's and it's completely different. And so part of it is I, I call them boomerangs, throwing out career boomerangs where your relationships that are casual, they don't end. They just go off into the distance and you never know when they're going to come back. That's what's fun. You'll get a job from somebody that goes, mm-hmm. I haven't talked to you in three years, but we're hiring and I thought of you. And, and you weren't like best friends with them. You had a casual relationship that might turn into something more, but that's why it's so important to have that. And then the other thing is that if you want to find out who your friends are, go through a career bump. What you learn there is that you need relationships.
0: What do you mean career bump?
1: So when you uh, so a bump is an involuntary negative moment um, mm. where you lose a job, you get laid off. I talked to a woman in Pennsylvania. Her company she'd been at for 15 years moved to another state and didn't invite her um, to make oh, the move. Man. And so this, this kind of stuff happens. Like if you've been in the, an industry longer than a year, you see this stuff happen. I've been laid off before. I've been fired before. And in those moments, you need your relationships. Because that's why money's gonna show up in the mailbox. You know, nobody goes, "I'm gonna give Matt uh, money in his mailbox," you know, anonymously because he's really good at coding. No, they go, "I'm in relationship with Matt. Like, I'm locking arms with him. We're gonna get through this bump moment together." And what's crazy, and you've experienced this, is that when you go through challenging times like that, the people you thought would show up, the ones you thought would run to you the second they heard, ghost. Mm, they they don't show up, and that? the the ones you can't imagine even know you exist show up. I don't know. I just think it's, I think it's for me, a difficult moment in life re kind of it, it filters your relationships. Mm -hmm. Imagine like a, you know, if relationships are marbles and it's like this big sieve and you pour, you dump the bucket over and some marbles are so small, they go right through the sieve and they disappear. And some are so big that they get stuck there and they stay with you. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like rock bottom for some people is a trampoline. And they bounce back from their worst moment into their best. And usually it's a byproduct of having relationships, having community that will go, okay, we're going to do this together. Like, I'm on your team. We're doing this. Yeah.
0: You know, I talk a lot about weak ties and like these people that you've met at some point or maybe you went to school with or whatever it may be. I talk about, you know, becoming friends with everyone and specifically like friending everyone online because – I'll get opportunities from people that I haven't talked to in years that now work at a company and want to have me come and speak for the company because they've just seen photos of me online for years.
1: Oh, they, yeah. And they see me
0: pop up, you know, but we never talk.
1: No, it's it's, and that's the, that's the age we live in. I get opportunities with companies that way where I'll interact with a big company on Twitter and an opportunity will come out of it. And, Do I see you talking to Arby's all the time? i arby's i've talked to a little southwest is who i talk to all the time i love southwest um i just talked to sonic the other day Mm -hmm. and they you know i I wrote a tweet about their ice because people love their ice and they responded back and i I said is it weird to write a haiku about the sonic ice and they (laughs) dared me to write one and so i wrote one back and and so will anything happen with that today i don't know but i know something won't if i don't interact with people so I'm a big believer in in trying to be deliberate with relationships. And I, I can't stand it when people say, well, that's, you know, being deliberate is manipulative. Well, tell that to your wife when you forget the anniversary. Say, baby, I just wanted things to happen organically. I felt like me remembering or being deliberate would have been manipulative. So I'm not saying I'll never teach people here's a shortcut to get somebody to do something for you. Here's how to, you know, manipulate something. But I will say be intentional about who you're in relationship with because your career is impacted by that. Your life is impacted by that. Yeah. It, it changes everything.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you talk about not, uh, you say don't burn any bridges. And I'll be honest with you. There are a few people in the world that i burnt burned a couple bridges with, but that I just don't feel like connecting with anymore. I don't want to be friends with anymore because of how sour it went now. That might be bad. Maybe I should try to not uh, bridge that gap again with those people. But I really try to focus on coming from a place of win-win with every relationship, uh, even if there's only a couple people I've burnt bridges with. But always coming from a place of respect and responsibility, no matter what situation happens. Do you agree with that?
1: Oh yeah. Well, see, and the chapter title is "Don't Burn Many Bridges," because no, that's, any that's right, is yeah. any is stupid advice. Like Maybe. there are gonna be humans that don't like you. Like welcome to the planet. Um, and you can't, (laughs) there's going to be haters. There's going to be people that don't think what you wrote was funny or interesting or unique. Like that's part of just, you know, we all get to have our own different opinions and interpret things differently. And so, yeah, I think that for me, I try to remember that and leave some leeway there that you don't have to be best friends with everybody and you don't have to win over people that, you know, that are toxic for you. Like, it's okay to go, you know what? Like, this relationship is really bad for me and I can't fix it. Cause I can't fix people. I like, can only work on me. And so I'm going to, I'm going to close that bridge. Like I'm going to try not to burn it. And then in situations where you have burned a bridge and you feel like that's a bridge you want back, then, then you own it and you apologize. And, you know, I've done that with two jobs where I sent, um, I was just a jerk at the, at this one company. Um, and I sent, an email to my boss and my boss's boss. This was years later. And I just said, you know, I'm so sorry I had such a bad attitude. And, and I did. Like, it was on me. And one, like, my boss wrote back and said, hey, that's, you know, thank you so much for saying that. Those were crazy years. We were all under, like, she kind of said, hey, we were all in that space. And I really... And my boss's boss wrote back and said, yeah, I don't know what you were doing then. Like, she added insult to it. And I don't get to control their response. I just get to kind of, you know, control how I, you know, what I send out. And so I don't think you should burn many. um, But I think any is is crazy advice that leads people thinking everybody's going to love them.
0: Yeah, I like that. Uh, In the next part, you talk about skills. And I am such a huge fan of learning and adding on and mastering new skills every single year. And when I was broke, one of my do-overs was I was playing, getting paid to play professional football in Huntsville, Alabama, which we talked about earlier. And um, I got injured, so I had to have a do-over. I didn't have that career anymore. I didn't have that job. And I had to figure out what was next. And I remember thinking, you know, I didn't have many skills. This is what I was thought to myself. Like, I didn't have a college degree yet. I... Could play sports, but could no longer play them. So I was like, what are my skills? And I went to Toastmasters for a full year to master public speaking. I started salsa dancing. I started like adding on these new skills. And what I realized is I had great listening skills. I was really good at asking the right questions and listening. And that ended up being a really powerful asset for me now with the School of Greatness podcast and developing a platform around asking questions and listening. And uh, you say you have more skills than you think and to master the invisible skills. Can you speak into those?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of times um, it's the talent we have the hardest time recognizing is the one we have, Um, you know, like and and we can't understand where it's going to go. And that's what's interesting to me. When you got injured and were no longer able to play football, you didn't think I'm a good listener. I bet I'll have a podcast someday. (laughs) No, you start never thought that. And so, but you developed the skill that served you later. Um, so I'm a big believer that when you get stuck, when you hit a career ceiling, skills are the hammer that helps you break through. Mm. And, and that's why, you know, like I said, companies get stuck, um, where a company will go, okay, we only do this one type of thing and we're going to pretend the world hasn't changed. Um, and then they, and then they don't develop anything new or I, yeah, or Kodak. Um, I remember a friend told me about a, a industrial designer he worked with who refused to learn AutoCAD, and he said, "I can do it faster and better by hand." And for a little while, he was able to keep up, but eventually, people were like, "Dude, the the computer, like it's here to stay. Like we're gonna use that computer." And the guy, you know, was really frustrated because he wanted to do things the old way. So I think I think that's critical: is to constantly be going, "Okay, how do I sharpen what I have? How do I gain something new?" And as far as invisible skills. You know, I think that sometimes we forget everything is a skill, not just the sexy things. Listening is not a sexy skill, but you found a way to make that into something really fun with a lot of impact via a podcast. And so I always challenge people you know, if you look up why people get fired, it's the simplest of reasons. It's like, they didn't come to work or when they came, they had bad attitudes. And so, you know, or they weren't, they weren't present when they came, you know, like as, as we continue to be the most distracted generation of all time, being present is going to be a game changer. Your ability to sit in a meeting and listen and be engaged is going to make you so wildly different than everyone else who is texting under the table as if we can't see them. Like we see you, you're not invisible. You're not under some invisibility cloak. And so Stuff like that, being present at a meeting, is an invisible skill. Um, having yeah. a good attitude is an invisible skill. I mean, you know, you and I both know really talented people um, that are amazing at some technical skill, and their attitude destroys them. Yes, they they treat everybody that hires them like the person that hired them is actually the client. Mm-hmm. So when you give them feedback and go, "Hey, can you?" can you update this this form on my site it's not working they're like whoa i don't know and you're like wait a second didn't i paid you money right like is that still the relationship like i hired you and you kind of do work for me and that's kind of like this is 100 of the base of the relationship and they make you feel like the client and those are just those little invisible skills that make such a big difference in somebody's career
0: Too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com, where their award-winning app, State Farm, lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Mm, I like that. What are two or three skills additional from what you've already talked about, being present, listening, things like that, which I think are inc- incredibly powerful. And like you said, you know, so many people are you're, are used to looking at people looking down at their phone or looking around to see who's in the room. But when you actually stand in an open-body position and you listen and you're present and you look someone in the eyes, it it's automatically going to make you stand out from everyone else. What are maybe two or three other skills when someone is either currently in a career or, what they ha- or where they're at right now or they're about to have a do-over or they're doing a do-over? What are two or three things that they could take on right now that
1: well that, that- Sure. the The big thing there, because um, I'll give you I'll give you how you back into it specifically. So if you're at a job right now, your job, your industry, your company, and your boss all have currencies. And by currency, I mean the thing they care about the most. So your industry is constantly telling you, "Hey, here's where we're going. These are going to be the things mm-hmm. that matter." Your company, this is what they care about. Your boss, this is the currency. So, for instance, when I worked at Home Depot, I used to write advertising for Home Depot, and The currency there was I had to write amazing direct mail catalogs. So my job was dependent on me learning new things about where the industry was headed. So as long as I did that, my boss was really happy because I was contributing value there. And so what I'd say to somebody right now is I'd say, okay, if you wanted to learn a new skill, what is the currency that matters to your boss? What is the currency that matters to your company? What is the currency that matters to your industry? And you can make a list of those things and go – Okay, you know what? There's 15 things I can learn, but these two really matter to the boss that I work for right now. So I'm gonna start right there. And yeah. you and you learn those two skills. The other way I'd say you can back into it, because I'm always looking for these kind of like how do you hack it? Is be in relationship with someone someone 10 years younger than you and 10 years older than you. Because someone 10 years younger than you is gonna say, Hey, here's where things are headed. Wow. You know, here's you know, the 29 year old, the 25 year old. Snapchat, we've talked about that. Where I have friends, and I'm in, you know, I teach this morning session uh, every couple of weeks in Nashville called the Do Over Club. And there's a lot of 22 year olds in there that think very differently than me. And it behooves me not to get stuck by thinking, no, I understand the world, it's not changing. And instead say, okay, hey, you're 23. What do you see that I don't see right now? You know, what's what matters? And then to the person that's, you know, 10 years ahead of me, 49, I can say, what, you know, what skill do you wish you had picked up when you were my age? You know, Mm -hmm. what do you wish you had focused on? And they can say, hey, you know what? These 10 you think are going to matter? They don't. These are the two. These are the two. And so that's where, you know, I think we could always talk about, you know, answer people's emails faster, like really specific stuff. But as far as personalizing it for your job and your industry, those are the two things I'd recommend.
0: What do you think are the two, what are the two skills you wish you would have had 10 years ago?
1: Uh, Email marketing. I wish I had done, I mean, just as a, as somebody who's invested in social media and kind of trying to have conversations with people, I really wish I had done a better job um, respecting the value of email marketing and being deliberate about serving people through email. Um, I was just really caught up in like the fun stuff, like Twitter's fun. Um, Blogging was fun, you know, and it was like, oh, I did it and it was great. And I still value both of those things. But the The longer I spend being an author, the more I realize I want to be able to have conversations with people. and email is still a really valuable way to do that. Um and so, yeah, so I look back on that and wish I had done that. The second thing I'd say is I wish I had been more deliberate about building a staff. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know, I spent sixteen years in corporations, so I didn't really have a need. you know i had I had staff that was there. I mean, that was part of my You know, 15, 16 months ago, I left my last big corporate job and I was surrounded by really talented people that did a lot of talented things. And I mistakenly thought, well, I'm really talented in all those things. And I I wasn't. I was in relationship with people that were. And so I think one of the things I wish I'd spent a little more time on was, okay, figuring out, you know, what does it mean to manage an assistant? Like, how do I give clear feedback? Or what does it mean to, you know, work with a graphic designer in a way that is clear you know so all those kind of people management things that I just didn't do and I was running and gunning on a lot of other stuff but I wish I had spent more time on both of those
0: Mm, that's good advice there's a at some point you ask a question to everyone do you I'm I'm trying to figure out what this question is without saying it but can you say what the question you ask everyone is you know what I'm talking about
1: Which chat, which section is it in? Give me a clue. You talk about how,
0: how do you make people bigger? You ask a question that you ask everyone in this, in this, in
1: this part. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the question I, I, I ask is, um, you know, a week from now, two weeks from now, what can I have done that will make you look like a rock star to your manager, to your boss? Um, is that the question you're referring to? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my thing there is that, like when I go on speaking engagements, I, I try to think about the client who's booked me. And a lot of times it's an event planner. Mm. And, and that event planner has taken a risk on me. Anytime you book a speaker, it's a risk. You know, like you, especially the first time. If it's the fourth or fifth time Lewis has come to speak to your company, you know, <laughs> this is like he's going to deliver. If it's the first time, though, there's a little bit of a risk. And so that's me trying to ask them the currency question. Mm. You know what I mean? Where I go hey, okay, what does the currency look like where you work? And how do I make sure that I do the best job I can to make you look like a rock star? Um, And make people say, we're so glad you booked John Acuff. We're so glad that, you know, got to do that. I mean, I think about that with my publisher. I want to make the marketing person at the publisher I work with look awesome. We're on the same team. You know, we both like, I want them to feel like, wow, this was amazing to work on this book project. I hope we get to do five more books with Johnny. Right, a. right. You know? And so I've got to figure, I've got to get outside myself. And I don't know, I just get so narcissistic. Like the business we're in, like personality stuff is so, like there's so many trappings of narcissism. Yeah. And so I constantly have to be fighting that because it's just building a platform is so weird, you know? Mm-hmm and even just you know we we get bad at relationships because we've lost the language for them like you don't have friends you have followers yeah. you know that that's already a weird thing and so it's one of those ways that I try to go this isn't about me this is about other people how do i not be selfish and blind to the the needs of other people because i'm a big believer that if you can actually see somebody like i my favorite and i challenge people to you know practice actually seeing somebody and i was in the back of a um of a car service uh, for a gig and they picked me up at the airport. It was like 10 o'clock at night. And so I asked the, the driver, you know, hey, where are you from? What do you do? And he was from uh, Sudan. And I said, How long have you been here? He's been here a couple years. He's driving a car 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And I said, Well, what did you do in the Sudan? And he said, I was a musician. And I said, Really? And he mm-hmm. said, Look me up on YouTube, which is you know the, the gift of the culture we live in. So I look him up, tons, tons of views. And so I go, This is amazing. And he goes, You want me to sing for you? I was like, sure. Like, that's a little weird, but you know, like, don't. <laughs> and so he puts in an instrumental song, a uh, CD and at 10 o'clock at night, driving through Washington, DC, he sings full out for like six minutes in Arabic. Like, I didn't understand a word, but it was beautiful. Mm. And I said, you know, that was amazing. And he said, yeah, in my country, I was famous, but I started singing protest songs and I got arrested by the government no and way. I, I had to flee. And so when he dropped me off, dude, he was a different person because for six minutes again, he wasn't a car driver. He was a singer. And the next day I took the same car service, different guy, guy was from the Sudan. I said, I met your buddy yesterday. And he goes, oh, that guy's super famous. I don't know what he's doing here. And so I try to see people, you know, and then remember that they have a story too. And 99 times out of a hundred, it's more interesting than mine, Mm. you know? So that's interesting.
0: Wow. Really cool. I like that. Um, The next part of the investment equation is character. And you're talking a little bit about this right now already, but I want to dive into why generosity is a game changer and your new definition of empathy.
1: Yeah, I I think um, people – I had this idea in there that I realized wasn't true. Um, And that's part of the editing process. I mean you're working on a book. Um, We live in kind of a tweet culture where people say things and you go – uh, that was fun to tweet and it kind of rhymed, but is that really true? And I had this idea about people never forget your generosity and they always remember your greed. And the truth is people do forget your generosity sometimes, but they never forget your greed. When somebody's been greedy to you, when they've tried to win mm, like true. one more inch or they've tried to get $50 out of you and broken that relationship, they don't forget that. Mm. And generosity, when somebody you know gives beyond what's expected – it's just such a game changer. I, I put a quote in there from this guy, Rory H. Williams, who's um, a, a marketing guy. And he said, you know, when people sometimes go, I just wanted to make sure I didn't leave anything on the table. His whole argument is that if you want to maintain the relationship, leave something on the table. Mm. And I think individuals struggle with this. I think businesses do. I remember we were at a, a hipster fast food restaurant or hipster restaurant in, um, in Georgia. And it, would, it had just opened. And it was this kind of gastro burger pub And there are 12 people in the restaurant and my party had eight of them in it. So we are the majority of the restaurant and we ran out of toast squares before we ran out of dip, which is, you know, just poor, bad dip to chip management. And so we asked the waiter, can we get some more toast squares? And he goes, well, let me check with the chef, which is a bad sign right out of the gate. Like he should not have to discuss toast with the chef. So he comes back out and goes, you can't have any more unless you order a new appetizer. So for the cost oh. of toast, he lost eight people at a brand new restaurant. And do you think for a second he and the chef get together at the end of the night and count up their toast savings? Mm-hmm. And like, oh, we made 50 cents in toast. And so my argument with generosity is that like we're moving so fast most of the time. Like we're hustling so fast. We sometimes run people over and we fail to see the true cost of, mm-hmm. of being generous, generous in a moment. So my challenge there is – You know, in the long run, greed is always more expensive than generosity. Mm,
0: Yeah, I definitely agree there. I mean, I always remember when people, you know, I did a, I try to help as many people as I can and push them and really like support them and promote them. Like that's, that's what I like doing. And when I help people make a lot of money. I don't need a lot in return. You know, if you want to give me a, you know, if we've set up a deal where you give me a commission, if I book you for a gig or something, you give me commission, cool. Like, that's great. But really all you need is acknowledgement in a lot of ways. I'm just saying thank you. Like, I really appreciate this. In, in like a little note or a phone call or something, a little gift uh, in return for the efforts in making someone, you know, a big a big opportunity or a big deal. Um, but when people just dismiss it, or they do what your, you know, what your buddies did trying to get a little more money for the toast or something. It's like it
1: doesn't make you feel good, you know? No, and it doesn't make you want to do it again. Yeah. No, like that's the other thing is that generosity leads to loyalty. Exactly. Um, yeah. you'll, you know, you'll go to bat for somebody that's been generous with you you know, yeah. because they've, they've been kind. And then the, the one you asked about empathy. My, my definition of empathy is understanding, understanding someone else's needs and acting on them. Yeah. Um, and you have to have both parts. And a lot of times you see people that are good at one but not the other. And, I mean, that's that's calling up to try to cancel some service. Or when you have a problem with something and they go, oh, we understand. We're so sorry, you know, for your inconvenience. And you go, will you fix it. And they go, oh, we're so sorry. We are so sorry for your inconvenience. And then the other side of that is companies that are good at acting on things that they haven't understood first. Where they launch products and they go, we're not going to, you know. We're not going to talk to anybody. We're not going to ask anybody any questions. We're just going to launch it. Then we're going to be surprised that nobody wanted it. And you go, well, maybe if you had done both of those. And so to me, that's what empathy is. And it's in in a career, it's gigantic. For businesses, it's gigantic. Yeah, exactly.
0: The the fourth investment piece you talk about is hustle. And I'm super – I was really excited when I saw the book and, and read through this because I am such a believer in hustle. I feel like it's the reason I've been able to get to where I am today. Because I didn't feel like I was smart enough or didn't have the skills, but I had the hustle. And that's kind of like what propelled me to getting where I'm at now. So I'm a big believer in it. And do you believe everyone possesses this grit or this hustle? Because right now, not everyone has it in the world. So do you think that everyone can have it?
1: I think they can. I mean, my my thing with hustle is that, or my thing really in life is that you're capable of more than you think. Um, and it's going to take hard work. And if I can get you to believe the first one, first, the hope, Mm. then I can I can get you to understand the second one, the hard work. Um, so I I do believe that just, you know, in the same way that, you know, when you were a football player and that particular journey ended and you needed a do over, you know, you weren't as good at public speaking at day one as you were at the end of the year.
0: Terrible man.
1: Yeah. Same with me. Like, I don't. You know that's why I'm not doing a book on public speaking right now because it's still I've only done it for 7 years now. I'm not an expert yet. Like I want to get better and the first, you know. And so I do think everybody has it. I think a lot of it's about what's your motivation. Um, you know, what is it? What's in the way of that? You know, I'm a I'm a big believer and you know understanding where your time is really going we like to tell people we're busy but then you know the stat i put in there in the book is that during the 15 week fantasy football season american companies lose an estimated 6.5 billion wow. dollars and i'm not against fantasy football i just want us to do it on purpose yeah you know so a lot of times when people tell me i i don't know how to hustle or i'm too busy to hustle i i think there's undiscovered amounts of time and undiscovered amounts of energy um, the challenge is that Hustle's been turned into such like an axe body spray word on the internet that like, right. I think guys like you and I, the the part of our job is to help redeem what hustle looks like. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not, not just it. being
0: busy and like,
1: no, saying, like you know, it's not it, like the 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 book talks about. It's about focus, not frenzy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I talked about the challenge is that there you'll never be done. Like you never end your day and go, I did enough social media today. There's always like one more tweet or one more thing. And, and hustle isn't burnout. Like hustle, that's the tension to me of hustle is that you have to say yes, but you also have to say no. It would be the easiest thing ever if your podcast, you just got to come on or like, if you want to be great, just say yes to everything. No, that's, <laughs> that's horrible advice. You need to say no a lot, but you can't just go, just say no to everything. And so that to me is the hustle.
0: Yeah, I was uh, you talk about how hustle has seasons and use awareness to recognize them. I just did a, a a solo episode the other week about talking about showing up and resting up because you know there's different seasons where you got to show up you're in a book launch mode right now, you're going to show up constantly for the next month or two and then maybe a little bit more, but then there's going to be need an off season where you can recover and rest up. And, uh, you know, my voice sounds a little coarse right now because I was gone for a month and a half in New York, just hustling nonstop, doing meetings, preparing for my book launch, which is later in the year. And uh, I was like, OK, now I'm feeling like I need to rest. And so I'm just not going to work for the weekend. And this last weekend, I went to the beach and relaxed and did some fun activities. And now I feel a lot better. Still, still, my voice sounds a little rusty, but feeling a lot better and I'm back on the path. So I'm super pumped that you talked about that as has, how it has seasons and uh, you gotta be aware to recognize them.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that, you know, I think sometimes I talk about how in a, in a world that praises busyness rest is an act of bravery. And so, you know, my favorite, my favorite idea about that was in this book, um, orbiting the giant hairball, um, which everyone should read. It's just fantastic. And the, the author who, I believe his last name was McKenzie. I think it's Gordon McKenzie, but he talks about how when you see a cow in the field, just chewing grass or chewing its cud, most people will look at that and think, Oh, wow, it's being lazy. It's only being productive when it's being milked and there's value there. But he said, That process of milk is every bit a part of the chewing the cud. Like that is, it's all a big process. That part has value too. And so I think, especially for someone who creates things, and we all create things, you do need to figure out okay, Where's the rest here? And and part of the challenge, especially for, for listeners of your podcast, is that you'll never become a workaholic because of a job you hate. You'll become one because of a job you love. Like when you have a job you hate, you want to do it less. Yeah, exactly. My wife's not worried that I'll be lazy at work <laughs> because I love what I do. You know, like yes. the idea of helping one more person or writing one more funny tweet or, you know, or growing one new social media tool. Like I love that, but I also <laughs> realize I've got to rest and I've got to not lose sight of You know, I, I need to be a dad first and a husband first and all these other things. And, and so I think you do have to recognize the seasons. And the one I always challenge people about is they'll go, I'm not hustling on my dream hard enough. And I'll say, well, tell me about your family. And they'll say, well, we have two twin four month olds and a three year old, um, and a six year old. And I'll just go not working on a dream hard enough. I mean, you're raising humans right now. Like maybe this isn't the season for you to be getting up at 4 a.m. Like you're already up at 3 a.m. feeding through twins. Like right. it's something on pause. Um, and so I think it is about figuring out this is a season where I need to put in 80 hours a week, or this is a season where I, I'm not going to have that space because something else has taken the space. Yeah, that's really good.
0: Uh, a couple questions left. I want to make sure everyone gets a copy of do over by John Acuff rescue Monday, reinvent your work and never get stuck. It should say never get stuck ever again, I think is what you should add to it. But um awesome book. I highly recommend it. Went through it earlier this week. Awesome stuff. I got it in my hands right now. It's a good little meaty meaty little mm, scrumptious little thing. So uh I'll have a link to where you can get this at the end here in a second. Two questions left for you, John. One is what are you most grateful for recently?
1: Most grateful for recently. Um I'd say my my wife's impact on the work I get to do. Um, she's this, you know, being working on my own, we really got to talk through a lot of the ideas in the book. And I'm very grateful that she loves me enough and knows me well enough to say when something isn't as good as it could be. Right. And that she'll challenge me on stuff like that. So I'm I'm really grateful about that. And then I'm also grateful, I'm in a mastermind right now with a group of guys in Nashville. And it's been... I mean, I talk about relationship because I've learned the value of relationship. So having four other guys that I meet with once a week who can encourage me or ask questions and be in relationship with has been has been awesome. Sometimes we get stuck on that me against the world mentality, and that's a really small way to live. Yeah, I like that.
0: Uh, final question coming up here in a second, but before we, I ask you the final question, which you've already answered before, I want to acknowledge you, John, for – Doing this work and being in service to so many people. I know you do this uh, the weekly meeting, do-over meeting for people in Nashville, but this is something that a lot of people need. And you've been researching and writing and putting together the information and the tools for people to be successful when they feel stuck, when they feel like the job's not working out, when they feel like they're not making the money they need. So thank you, and I acknowledge you for your commitment to this work, my man.
1: Well, thanks, man. I I really appreciate that. And I'm, I'm grateful that there's, you know, guys like you that will have continued to be generous to me. Um, it's, you know, I don't get to do this without folks who, who will listen and are encouraged. And so hopefully somebody, you know, somebody else will be encouraged by it. Yeah.
0: Final question. And that's, what's your definition of greatness?
1: My definition of greatness. Um, I don't know what I said last time. I'm sure it was just so brilliant. Um, (laughs) Yeah, sure. People carved it into stone. I would say my, uh, my definition of greatness is spending more time being more of who you're meant to be.
0: John Acuff, you are the man. I appreciate your friend, and I cannot wait to see you next time in person and have you back on soon.
1: Yeah, and I'm excited. I should have said one of the things I'm grateful for is that our books don't come out at the same time. <laughs> yeah, me too. I am, <laughs> I
0: am grateful for that. <laughs> awesome, man. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks, Lewis. There
0: you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Again, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to check out the show tips and all the links uh, over at lewishouse.com 152 I'm going to have all the best tips from today's episode back there, so make sure to check out the show tips at lewishouse.com slash 152. Make sure to subscribe to our free newsletter over there as well. You can just opt in. You're going to get some amazing content right away, and then you're going to get updates whenever the podcast comes out. So make sure to subscribe over at lewishouse.com as well so you can get all the goodies from the School of Greatness podcast. And we've got some incredible guests coming up. Again, if this is your first time ever coming on the show and listening, thank you so much. Please leave us a review over on iTunes. Uh, Subscribe. Share this with your friends over on Twitter and Facebook. Post a picture on Instagram where you're listening to the episode right this very second. Literally, go post a picture and tag me at Lewis Howes. Let me know where you are listening to this right now. I'd love to see that and connect with you. I respond to as many comments as possible on Instagram Uh, because it's my social media of choice right now. So if you want to get it and connect with me, that's a good way to do it. You guys are incredible. Make sure to check out lewishouse.com slash 152 for the best tips from today's episode. Share with your friends. Got some big guests out coming soon. Thank you guys all so much for all you do. I love you. This podcast is something that I'm so pumped about. And uh, we're going to hit 6 million downloads soon. It's going crazy. It's almost 800,000 downloads a month right now. It's just growing and growing and growing. And it's all because of you. So thank you for your love, your warmth, your connection, your commitment to coming on here every single week and sharing this. Because without you, it wouldn't be as powerful as it is. We got 5-Minute Friday coming up this Friday. And I've got a big one for you guys. I've been working on it. And uh, I hope you're going to be liking it. You know, people have been telling me they love this new style of Five Minute Fridays, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing these for a while. We'll see. I'm gonna experiment with Fridays. Who knows what I'm gonna do next? You never know. But uh, please, please share those because I feel for me, I listen to those over and over because they're only four and a half five minutes long, and they're very inspiring for me too. Because um, I'm creating the information that I want to receive myself. So hopefully, you guys enjoy those. Thank you again, all so much. You know what time it is? It's time to go out there and do something great.